0: Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 165. We're recording this live on Friday, January 17th, 2014. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.TV, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. That is the nation's capital. And with me, as always, from the blue and white state of Toronto.
1: Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Yes, those Leafs are... Sucking. Well, at least they're winning in shootouts anyway, so uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but well, anyhow. Um, welcome back
0: from New York, man.
1: Yeah, thank you. It was a, it was a good, quick little trip. Uh, went out there, sort of the tail end of the uh, NRF Big Show, and we had our own LBMA New York chapter event, and it was awesome. Dan Hodges, you rock, dude. My that's <laughs> Who runs our chapter out there. Uh, just a great crowd, I mean, and great panel. I mean, we had... Uh, Uh, Place IQ. We had Gary Schwartz on the panel. We had Retail Agents in the crowd. We had RevTrack sponsor it. CBS Outdoor was there. Walmart was there. I mean, Hearst, AP hosted the whole thing. We got a tour of the newsroom. I mean, it was great. It was awesome. So um, yeah, uh, great event. And um, you know, we have so many great events coming up over the next couple of months, like just tons and tons. So, you know, if you do nothing else (laughs) after you listen to the show, go to www.thelbma.com forward slash events, and you'll see. There's a massive list of stuff there. But just to highlight a few uh, LBMA-specific ones, Uh, so we've got uh, on the 29th of of January, the Atlanta chapter has an event um, with uh, Intercontinental Hotels and JetBlue. On the 30th in Toronto, we have an event, um, and that's all about location-based analytics and measurement. And we've got um, you know a great little panel there as well, including uh, Carl Bonner from Molson Coors, so that'll be interesting. Uh, and then um, we've got uh, a brand new chapter we're launching, officially announced uh, today actually, and that is uh, the LBMA Sydney chapter, Australia. Yes, the key, you know, we're there. The kangaroos, the koalas, uh, we're ready to embrace them all. When are you going? And what's that? When do you get to go to Australia? I'm going. I'm going out. So the event is on February the 18th um, in the evening. Uh, we've got a great uh, law firm that's hosting it there, and uh, all that information's up on the site. And we've got the support of the Canadian government backing it, and all kinds of stuff. So we're excited about that. We're excited to be in Australia. So if you're out in that part of the world, you listen to this. Uh, you know where to find us, February 18th, and then.
0: Boom, 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 boom!
1: South by Southwest, Rob. I've never heard of it. Never heard of it. Never heard of this. Never thing. heard of it. Yeah, so we're going to do uh, a pretty cool uh, event at South by this year on Sunday, March the 9th. We're going to have a kind of a half day lunch till cocktail uh, reception in the evening. Four panels. Rob's coming down, he's going to be uh, uh, moderating one of those panels. I'll be down there. Some great brands already on board Office Max, Auto Trader, JetBlue. You name it; it it's uh, we got we got a good crowd um, of people that are going to be part of that. So excited about that, you know, and all the usual, uh, you know, uh, location companies, riffraff. you know. Uh, Place IQ, Urban Airship, you know, all those guys will be down there with us. Uh, so we're excited uh, about the possibilities around that. So Where can people that, register for that this That is um, um, Sunday, March the 9th. And all again, all of this information is available. But specifically on that event, you could go to uh, www.retaillo.co. It's Retail Loco.
0: Nice. Because yeah. you're crazy, man. You're crazy. We are crazy. Crazy yeah. for retail. <laughs> Well, I, I, that that is uh, that's incredible. That only takes you to March, and of course, you guys you're going to be doing your panel or your uh, your session with Damien Patton from Banjo at South by Southwest as well. So uh, it's it's just a busy week. I don't I don't know how you keep up with this, but uh, yep. you know certainly. What was your feel about the New York down there in, the, in this huge the big retail show? I know that Chuck Martin was down there as well, and we got some a mobile minute from from his views on that as well. But it was it was pretty big, wasn't it? a lot of energy
1: this year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I didn't get to see any of it really. I mean, I I kind of. Came in at the tail end, and then kind of was there for for our own thing, um, you know, as the show was sort of wrapping up. Uh, but I did, I mean, so many great people that that I know uh, from the industry were, were around, and you know, we were in the in, in the uh, in the conference hotel, and you just see everybody buzzing and talking about, did you see this? Did you see that? you know um and you know some of those you know are what we're going to talk about today like this one story that I'm super excited about with Gil uh, Bronco um and Outcast um you know was was talked about at the show as well so um lot you know, just just great energy love it
0: and not Outcast like the band, but uh, Outcast the company. Outcast Media. Yes. Outcast right. Media. Well, we 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 have we've got some great, 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 great stories that we're going to cover today. We got our six base stories, which are amazing stories. Some controversial. Some that involve acquisitions. Uh, we've also got our mobile minute. We got our um, featured application of the week and our resource of the week. Our special guest is Paul Madsen, who is the technical architect for a company called Ping Identity. He's going to be talking about the Internet of Things and identity, not security, identity, which are two different things. And he's going to walk us through that in a short clip. We're going to start off with the the way we always do with Chuck Martin and our mobile minute. So, Chuck, take it away. Welcome back to another Mobile Minute. I think, Chuck, this actually might be the single greatest use for NFC on the planet.
2: Well, at least it has the wow factor. Uh, I was at a recent conference in New York with another 25, 26,000 people at the Javits Center uh, called NRF, a uh, natural retail federation conference and expo. And I saw a, from a, a company in Europe uh, called Think and Go, and I spent some time with Vin- Vic- Vincent Birds, the CEO. And what they have is they have this huge screen, uh, basically a TV screen, big flat screen, and it has NFC, near-field communication chips, built into it so that you're watching a video in the screen I saw, had six NFC transmitters in it. You actually put your phone right on, say, the pair of pants someone is wearing in the, in the commercial, and all of a sudden, that information about the pants for sale comes right to your phone, and you can purchase it right on the spot. And then it's interactive, so that everything on the screen you can ju- basically just touch with your phone, and it transfers to your to your uh, to your smartphone from the screen. You have, for example, you go to an airline terminal. And you see at the big screen at, at the TV, uh, the big TV screens at the airport, you have the the big monitors, and you put the phone right over your flight, and then all that flight information comes right into your phone with all the stats, the gate number, everything else associated. As well as no uh, no doubt you're going to have an offer for the the cafe that's that's on the way to the gate uh, with a coupon that drives you into there. So. Uh, this, this thing had there, – there were people lined up for the demonstrations of this thing like, like every 10 minutes. And you, you could, there was like the line was as deep as you could get. And, it again, it had the wow factor.
0: When will this land in our homes? Um, this is really not for homes right now. It's really
2: for big venues like uh, shopping centers and malls and things like that and, and it's going to cost some money. so it's not a, it's not really a consumer product, but the, the, the point is they can actually do it. I saw it and they've launched this in uh, Italy, Singapore, uh, somewhere else in Europe. So it's, it's not like it's a theory. this is a shipping product and it, it's expected to come to the US this year.
0: And that was Chuck Martin and our Mobile Minute. I appreciate Chuck allowing us to use that here on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. We do that every single day on untethered.tv. If you haven't subscribed, I don't know why. I don't know how much more I can plead. That is the quality of content that we get. If you think it's good, that's good. But that's Chuck Martin and our Mobile Minute. All right, well, jump right into this. Uh, our app of the week. I think that this is fascinating because we, as human beings in the social world, give up our identities so easily. But on one hand, on one hand, we do on the web, right? When we say, like, listen, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I give permission to Facebook and Twitter to to uh, to these applications, the web applications or mobile applications. But then we 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 constantly think about, you know, do I give this waiter my credit card, right? Or do I give this way, you know, do I give my phone number, or my email address? But here is an application at mypermissions.com that allows you to see, basically you have to log in, you have to give it permission to see your permissions, uh, but it basically allows you to see who has access and how often often they're accessing your social um, data and how often they ping it. So is it a little trickle? Is it daily? Is it hourly? And it's fascinating to me. I did it, and uh, I wasn't surprised because I manage my identity very well. But this is something that I think will be a shock to many people. I don't know if you've done this at my permission. I have. Have Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's, It's amazing to see. You know how many calls, how many pulls uh, on your data, and where they're coming from, and how often. Um, you know, and you, and then you sit there and you wonder, you, you know, like you, you know, you're wondering how come your battery's draining so much? <laughs> like, look at this thing, look at the data here, that it's telling you how often you know people are trying to pull from your device. So. Um,
0: you know, I'm, yeah. I'm. I look at that, and I'm also. I'm, I'm also uh, absolutely flabbergasted that all that data is being pulled out, and still they have no clue who I am or what what messages will resonate with me. Yeah. Uh, I and mean, I was telling you this before we started. Is that I was at a diner on Thursday morning, just yesterday morning, with uh, with some friends having breakfast. It was about seven twenty in the morning. And of course, I've got Foursquare on here because I like to test these things about what's around. So, it, you know, it's basically it's got the beacon technology. It sits there and it, it looks for where I am. When it pings something that's close to me, it's, it, it pops up a little message. And it came up with this. It said, uh, are you near the Elgin Street Diner? And I was. I was sitting in the Elgin Street Diner. It said, your friend Lindsay uh, says, head there after the bars for a late night smoked meat poutine. It'll The grease will soak up the booze. And, you know, maybe they get location and Foursquare gets location, but what a failure in context, right? It's like, yeah. I, it's 7.20 in the morning. Now, maybe I'm old and maybe that is the time that the bar is Maybe you're closed. just coming home from the bar. No, I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> but they must with all the context that they have with me they must be able to tailor that message a little bit yes. better so it's a huge failure and I think that uh, you know my permissions obviously I've given them a ton of permission Foursquare to do anything like that but but you know that's that's why you want to control this is that uh, you're going to get ridiculous stuff like that from from ridiculous companies like Foursquare so mypermissions.com allows you to control that and I have another app on, on my phone that I it's called Easily Do and once a week it's like a Donna type of thing that helps me with my schedule and helps me stay in touch with people that I should be Staying in touch with, but once a week it sends me a reminder and says, "Hey, listen, it's time for your social check to see what applications are actually, uh, you know, interacting with your with your uh, social identity." And once, I, you know, I do that once a week, so I clean up the thing. so I'm I'm, yeah. I'm on top of it. But if you're not, and it frightens you, just go to mypermissions.com and and log in, and they don't collect any of the data, they don't collect any of your user information. They just do this out of the kindness of their heart, which I find difficult to believe, but. Mypermissions.com. Go and check them out if you're worried about your social how, how how widespread your you know the leak in your social numbers are. So my permissions. Great so job. that's that's the app. Great, 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 great app. Um, I don't know uh, you know, our first story here, I don't know if it requires a lot of conversation. Um, other than I think that we should actually just stand back and applaud. Yes, and do this right now. Applaud. Because a company took some money off the table <laughs> a
1: significant amount of money
0: too. yeah they didn't turn them down like some idiots that we've talked about before we're talking of course about about Nest and Google acquiring nest for like 3.2 billion dollars uh, and who cares about the valuation you are a total idiot if you turn down that much money you're just you are just an idiot I don't care if you are snapchat or Groupon or Instagram or the next or anything else a billion dollars is a lot of money. Three billion dollars is an insane amount of money. And congratulations to Nest for taking the money and going to Google. I don't care who they go to, um, but they took money off the table. So first off, huge kudos to that. Second off, um, I, I think that this is like, I, I, I'm neither I'm you know, there's so much reaction online about this is that, you know, the big joke online was that, well, now you have to log into your, you have to set up a Google Plus account in order to be able to change your heat. Um, or you know, or, or adjust your uh, smoke detector. But I, I don't. I don't really have any big thoughts on on the fact that that Google. I, you know, I,
1: I, and I, I don't. You know, I mean, my reaction to this is that uh, I mean, I don't have any of these devices in my home yeah. yet, so uh but you know i i think it's it, it's it's just natural that we move in this direction that you know everyone's going to have smart thermostats and uh, fire detect you know smoke detectors and yeah. all that stuff and, and so why wouldn't we want to be able to control that stuff from our mobile device
0: it, right? it makes sense and and they're for sale in like uh, home depot and all the other big box stores now and, and yeah well, I just, I, you know, they're going to keep it as a wholly owned subsidiary, right? They're not going to, they don't want to destroy the brand. And and like, I guess like they did with Motorola, uh, because I, I can't imagine, I mean, Google is so terrible with hardware and customer support, right? So I can't imagine calling, who do you call at Google? Who do you call at Google, right? So, I, I you know, for now, they're just going to keep it there. And, and I think that, you know, uh, this, uh, I think his name is Riddell, who is the uh, CEO, he said that this allows us to actually go out and... Um, Really innovate in, and basically with an endless budget, and I think that that's that's also a, a good thing for these guys who create beautiful, beautiful, beautiful products. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I was I was like at the end of this, I'm like, well, good good for Google, and then all oh, the people came. I saw this coming, and boy, oh boy, this was of course this is what was going to happen, and I can't believe you know how how did Apple miss this one? And I thought, you know, uh, I'm I'm tired of that crap. This is just people taking money off the table. Yeah. And asked why he did this. It's you know the obvious reason is because, uh, 3.2 billion dollars, dummy. <laughs> yeah. So good on good on good on them for doing it. And um and I think that hopefully that it just remains independent and it doesn't stifle innovation. But I don't think that that happens with Google. And I don't think that they're looking at collecting data on your thermostat use yet. They will. And then pushing ads to you to your home. I mean, if they did yeah, that, no, it would be I don't be think out. That
1: it's about that at all. I, I, I do think it could be you it's know long term. I mean, it, it could certainly be contextual if they understand, you know, well, you you keep your home at a certain temperature, and you know that you know what does that mean you know for your house in terms of other you know you know other products and that Home Depot could sell you potentially yes right, but um, you know I, this isn't about that. This is about you know the phone becomes a remote control. You know, for you know, all these devices in your house, which are all getting smart. You know, LG is doing lots of stuff with appliances. Yeah. You know, with you know, with your fridge and your and your and your and your washing machine and all that kind of stuff, and and this is just sort of the next step in that in in that direction. So
0: it is. It's the Android Hub inside your house, and and you know, you could start with a garage door opener. You could start with Apple TV, like a TV piece. Uh, You can start with Chromecast, whatever whatever it might be, but everybody has a thermostat.
1: And yeah, And, and I guess if I have one thing to say about this that you know I'm sort of disappointed that you know for me this this would have been the ideal thing for Microsoft to do yes right because if you look at Microsoft today it's not the same Microsoft from you know 10 years ago I mean Microsoft really now you know is you know is is what you know game system
0: entertainment home entertainment
1: entertainment home right and so this is about the home Right, and this could have been an interesting opportunity for them to kind of, you know, go out there and, and, and kind of cement, uh, you know, their their home market offering and combine that with the mobile piece that they're trying to get into. And so, you know, I kind of I look at it and go, well, you know, I maybe if there's a miss, it's Microsoft that missed not Apple.
0: Yeah, it might be. I I just, I I think that this is a part a bigger plan, uh, for, for Google to own, uh, the thing that drives you, the thing that you talk on, the thing that you entertain yourself on and all being a central hub through Android or through, uh, you know, Google Chrome, um, Chromium, the, uh, Chrome operating system. So this is, I, who, who knows what this plays out, but thank God they said, yes, that's all I can think about is thank God they say yes. So yeah, no, yeah. I'm with you. we were right. on that. We got billionaires already. So, second story, a man. Speaking of the home.
1: <laughs> Speaking of the home, if you have a home and you have a driveway, we've got something for you, and it's called Park at My Garage. Okay, this is kind of interesting. So, this is a, a a website, a service that you can go to. Think of it, it's like Airbnb for your driveway, and, and so basically. You know, if you've got, you know, a driveway in a strategic area, you know, that people need to find parking in on a regular basis and, and those people don't want to pay, you know, whatever the going rate is, you know, open up your driveway, make it available, you know, make some money out of this. And apparently some people, according to, to uh, this press uh, piece here, some people are making 50000 bucks a year renting out their driveway. $50,000? Can you believe that? 50000 bucks a year just renting out their driveway. $50,000. So yeah, I mean, uh, are these people park at my garage? Is what it's called. I think this is cool. Yeah, um, you know, I, I talked, I was talking to you, Rob, before we started today, and I was telling you about you know when I was down at the Cowboys Redskins game um, back in the fall, and you know, kind of going through that, and that's that beautiful new stadium is in the middle of like you know, really poor residential areas and, you know, you just see the tailgating everywhere. You see people on lawns everywhere. You see people setting up everywhere. And you see all these driveways that, you know, I'm sure people rent them out, you know, in a very ad hoc way. They stick a sign on their lawn saying park here for 20 bucks or whatever it is. You, you see that all over the place. But look, at, here's a way to kind of organize this and automate this and make this a regular thing and, you know, where you could reserve that spot and, 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 and have it. You know, for for a nice little uh, a nice little profit.
0: Well, you know, we saw this. Uh, I used to live in in an area that uh, had our exhibition, so you know, our we our, our yearly fair, and uh, I I witnessed this guy across the street from us. He 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 every year he did ten days of this, which was basically he would park people's cars. And I love this. He, you know, people would come up up and down the street finding a parking spots, and he always had this empty laneway, and uh, so people would say, "Look, can I park there?" Yeah, it's ten bucks or whatever it was. Maybe it's fifteen bucks. because it's right across from the fairgrounds. And uh, they would leave, he would take the money, and then he would like put a, a number in the dash and somebody would drive it off and park it on in a parking lot at a, at a mall, you know, three or four kilometers away. And then they would come back and he would go and pick up the car and drive it back to them. This guy made a ton of money. And I think about the mobile technology, not only like park in my garage, but all the, all the mobile technology that allows you to, like if that guy was smart. And if, and if you're doing this, he would have built an app and a proximity detection so he, your car could arrive at the same yeah. time you do and you could tell them. Anyways, he made a ton of money, so it doesn't surprise me that these people are making money off of it. But he, it was just 10 days, and it probably paid for his mortgage every year. Um, it, you can find it at uh, p a m g co, and they take a, the company takes a 15 percent commission, so that's how they make their money. So that's a right. steep commission when it comes to parking. Yeah. Um, but they say like that's how they do it. You got to build the infrastructure, and uh, and if they enable you to make some money off of your uh, your I mean your laneway, oh, go for it. P-A-M-G. Right. Let's do it, Rob. Code. We're going to set up the Ottawa and Toronto
1: versions of this. <laughs> That's right.
0: Go. Unfortunately, I live like midway between downtown and anywhere else you'd like to be. Right? So it's like yeah. Scotiabank Place is 10 kilometers that way, and the Byward market is 10 kilometers that way, and I'm in the middle of it, so it's a long walk if you want to park in my laneway, but you're welcome to. <clears throat> and I only charge 100 bucks a day, so it's okay. <laughs> All right. Third story. All right. Third so story. Par- this, park in love my list.
1: garage. There you go. You love right, this Our third story, our third you story love it. is, this is the one I'm exci- most excited about today. Uh, so this is a partnership uh, between a company called Gilbarco Viter Root and yeah, Outcast good thing you do Media. you this one.
0: I would have blown that name for sure. What's that? I would have blown that name. Uh, yeah. How do you say you it? know, it's Gil Gilbarco Viter Root? Yeah.
1: Gilbarco okay. Viter Root, uh, Root. Okay. is the name of the company and Outcast Media. So. Uh, I'll call. Let's just go with GVR. Okay. okay? G, yeah. GVR. Uh, so these guys are the world's la- largest manufacturer of actual gas pump. Uh, you know the actual pumping uh, equipment that you see at the gas stations. Uh, you know, and you've got you know integrated uh, payments into those things, and you got a, you know a bunch of technology going in there. And so what they've done is is they've gone out and partnered with Outcast Media, which has an out of home digital signage network, basically. And so together what you have is 60,000 gas stations in the US that have uh GVR's uh pump technology and you have Outcast which has a network of 20,000 screens around the US and so they're bringing these two things together. And so what they're doing is is they're building Mobile commerce uh, and targeting hyperlocal targeting technology into this mix, so that the ads that you see on these screens are are relevant to the people that are coming by. We're tying loyalty into this, and we're tying you know, you know, gender and a whole bunch of things that all come together. This is like the heart of what we talk about every day at the LBMA. I love this stuff, so you know, I'm I'm super excited about this. They're using Qualcomm's. Gimbal, like their their beacon technology, they're putting that right into the uh, into the pumps. So that's how they they know proximity is there. I mean, this is amazing. It's just it's it's a mashup of all the stuff. This is like, this could have been an LBMA sponsored project, right? It's not, but it could have been an LBMA sponsored. This is the, what we do every day. Like we put these things these these projects together. So I love it. It's awesome.
0: Is the whole goal to drive people into the uh, into the convenience store part of the gas station? Typically
1: that's what they want, right? I mean, that's in most convenient gas station convenience. I mean that's that's the goal, right? is you know they want you in there, they want you spending more money. Um, so I, I know in in this particular case they've talked about coupons being sent to your device. Um, it could purely be loyalty play as well. so you, you know who knows? Um, you know where ultimately how they use it, but initially they're talking about coupons that obviously are you know targeting you to go into the store and actually buy something.
0: That's where all the that's where they make the money. It certainly isn't in the gas. Yep. it's not in the gas. But yeah, that's fascinating. There's a, a story that came out of uh, this retail show where they were talking about embedding NFC into screens. So not your television yep. screen, traditional television screen, but the big display screens like this, right? Like what Outcast yep. did, and uh, the same along the same lines. Because uh, we've we've highlighted some good technology here, which is basically yeah, like the Western Expression stuff. Absolutely, yeah. right. And and so at some point, you know, uh, it, it's as low energy Bluetooth a gimbal. Uh, technology A- and you've got uh, tap to pay which or tap to engage which is NFC something like that like now we're going to start to see that the battle of the screen right there uh, around the technology that you use but embedded NFC yeah, I guess we, is,
1: we don't care anymore about you know uh, you know make sure you don't have your mobile phone on
0: when you go to the gas uh, pump right no nope. doesn't matter exactly you can be you sm- <laughs> be smoking there dude <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah don't worry it's okay but um, I, I don't know which is better. Uh, I just, I, I all I think about is proximity, and I love low energy Bluetooth much more than I like uh, NFC. And I, 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 say that this kind of kicks away any what is left of the QR code.
1: Right. Well, it, it's interesting, right? Because next week we're going to talk about that. It, you know, I want. I was kind of saving some uh, some of the stories for next week. But there's nice. a couple people that came out this week at the show, uh, and and basically said they think NFC's is, uh, is about to rebound in a big way. QR um, sure, codes or NFC? And so, so both. Yeah, okay. I've seen both this week, right? And mm-hmm. and so I th- I think um, it was uh, I think Citibank actually uh, yes. the the head of, of mobile there came out and say NFC is going to win the battle and you know be so so we'll have a discussion about that next week.
0: Well, there's even stories around here like you know, I saw it on Gigaom, which is hey like don't don't uh, don't give up on Apple supporting NFC anytime soon. Like uh, you, you yeah. know they haven't given up on that yet, and, and I think that who who knows who cares as long as it's easy for the consumer, right? Exactly. So. That's cool. So uh, this is going to be something that we're going to see very, very soon. So, uh, and the other the other side in this is that that uh, Gilbarco v- GVR bought Outcast Media for this reason, right? And uh, yes, and it's a good compliment to what they're doing. That's a smart buy. Good story. Best story we got. We should just stop it right here. <laughs> not before, we could, but we have a guest. Yeah, not before we get to our guest, which is Paul Madsen, who is the uh, technical architect. He sits in the CTO's office at Ping Identity, and we I, I sat down with him in December to talk about the Internet of Things and the impact that identity, or the impact of identity on the Internet of Things, mm-hmm. and the need for identity. And that's very different from security, right? Everybody ra- rushed. He'll explain it here. Everybody rushed to security. We got to be secure. We got to make sure we lock down devices and lock down the cloud and. He's arguing the other side of it: is that we've got to be worried about identity first, and then and then everything else flows from that. So I really had a great conversation. This will be up in a couple of weeks on tether.tv. This is Paul Madsen from PingIdentity.com. Go and check that site out. But here is Paul talking about the Internet of Things and identity. When you're looking two or three years out. There's got to be opportunities that you, you're looking at. You're thinking, well, okay, th- there are companies that are going to be able to do this. There are companies that are going to be able to do this, and and obviously for ping, we're going to be doing doing something as well. But you know, is there anything that you're seeing that you can share with us in this space that you think you know this is going to be this is going to be interesting to watch? Um, like, so- I love the wearable stuff, right? Like I I think that you know, somewhere on this body, it's not going to be 13 wrists and and eyeglasses and whatever it is. But somewhere on this is going to supersede or remove my need to to have my phone as my identity piece, right? So that's the way I look at it. But I, tell me what tell me what your thoughts are.
3: So so I, I agree with you that the phone has sort of a temporary uh, prominence in our in our lives, right? And 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 all the other wearables that will uh, attach to ourselves will diminish that importance. Mm-hmm. Um, to the other question, so I've come across a company called Everything that aims... It's a perfect name isn't it? Well it is, the spelling is E-V-R-Y-T-H-N-G right, they, they clearly couldn't get the domain they wanted. <laughs> no. um, so they aim to provide, and, and what caught my interest initially is they they specifically model what they do as providing an identity layer for things, specifically consumer things. So, that um, the way I think of it, the current reality is, is when I buy something off the shelf, typically I now have a relationship with that thing, but the manufacturer of that thing is out of the loop. Right. They lost that connection the moment I walked out the store. Yep. Now, everything's premise or value proposition is that if the thing is connected, then the, the ultimate relationship between me and the manufacturer or the distributor can be maintained and hopefully nurtured uh, both to my advantage and theirs. So, so that I think, you know, people talk about uh, Internet of Things, home automation or industrial internet, but I, I hadn't seen before consumer goods. Uh, being included non-electronic consumer goods right they're, they're sort of their archetypal use case is a bottle of booze that um, is able to maintain a relationship <laughs> back with the, uh, the distiller
0: yes okay. I hug my wine every once in a while though sometimes sometimes sure, inappropriately but
3: some people have, have close relationships
0: with booze. <laughs> with booze yes well we're Canadian of course we do um we have to stay warm somehow. Well, yeah, exactly. We have to stay positive in the winter. That's that's more like, uh, that that opens up an entire uh, you know uh, other conversation around you know I think that does this that, that relationship that you're creating and and this is what it ends up being it's the ability to share my identity with whom I want when I want right so when I buy a, a like an object, like a lamp right something non technical. Um, sometimes tech lamps are technical for me as well, but when I buy a lamp and, and I want to create a relationship with this brand where I bought the lamp, um, does that, I'm giving my identity to the manufacturer, which is so unique compared to where I would be, typically I would walk into a, you know, a hardware store or a lamp shop and I would have the relationship with a lamp shop. You know, does, does identity, does that ability shift the way that retail is done? You know, because now all of a sudden I'm getting the notifications from the manufacturer directly, not the retailer.
3: Good point. Um, So you're cutting out the middleman for hardware like has been done for other services, news, uh, etc. No, that's a good point. Uh, I'm sure the hardware shop (laughs) wants to stay involved, right? They want to sell. They're happy that I will be convinced to buy a new lamp when a new line comes out. But they want to be involved in that subsequent purchase
0: as well. They want their they want their margin, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that's what I, that's what I think is that you know we are so early in this game where the disruption has yet to happen, and and we are talking about this and, and at the at the at the main at that point is how we use our identity as a mechanism to then create the relationships that we want to at the time we want to, and I am fascinating. Have you um, have you ever heard of
3: vendor relationship management VRM? No. So, so VRM is, is, or the premise is to turn CRM on its head. So rather than looking at that relationship between a consumer and a, and a seller from the seller's point of view, you look at it from the consumer's point of view and you manage your vendors. You put out RFPs, you know, if you want to buy a lamp, you distribute an RFP saying this is what I'm looking for, this is my price range, et that, as a as a simple example. Um, yeah, that, you know, not specifically about Internet of Things, but,
0: but in that model,
3: the, the, the consumer of the lamp, instead of by default going back to the original uh, hardware shop where they bought the first lamp, would be able to shop around <laughs> and, and say, okay, well, I'm, I definitely want this new lamp, but I want the best price. So you, you bid on my business.
0: Paul Madsen, ladies and gentlemen, from Ping Identity. This conversation is fascinating. It's 45 minutes long, all about that stuff. Very, very interesting. A little bit of senator stuff because he's based in Ottawa here as well. Um, so we, we, you have to bring that up. You just have to. It's part of it's part of our language. The weather, the senators, and then business is third. Paul Madsen, go to pingidentity.com cool. if you're interested in some more information. All right, back into the stories i don't know how to pronounce this so Please? i am just going to say it you ready yes so this is a story in out of wales And I think that we are. I'm about to bastardize this because I really believe that this is a word, but I don't know how to say it. So it's cymru1900wales.com or .dot org. My my apologies. cymru1900wales.org, and they are basically crowdsourcing topography from older maps that cannot be OCR'd. You know, there's no way that they can do some uh, you know uh, optical character recognition on this. So they're asking people to come in here and decipher the words. And translate what's on the map, and so that they have a real uh, digital, breathing, living document uh, to track historical roots of of, uh, of Wales and the, and the surrounding areas. This is fascinating, fascinating use of maps, technology, and crowds. And obviously, there's going to be a great amount of history that's brought into it, and ownership of land, and users, and people, and names. This is this is very cool. I was I was I was I spent some time in here and uh, want to get involved, yeah, yeah. but I'm not there.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, when I when I came across this this week, like I, I was, you know, I was really, you know, sort of happy to see this because it, any any time you see, you know, a project where we're kind of trying to engage the citizens, trying to engage the public to participate and, and understand, you know, the history of where where they live and what they're about and, and all that. I think that stuff's important, right? Yes. I don't, I don't think it's just, you know, Maybe maybe it's you know I'm naive and you know we should just be you know living our nine to five you know jobs and whatever. But you know I think there's a bigger picture and 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 this this is the kind of stuff you know that that is all about bigger picture, right? It's all about history and the future and the present all coming together um, and understanding you know the topography and, and and the location you know of of where we are um, and what was there before and why it's relevant and how, why it, it has the name it has and. You know, all those kinds of things, right? And I think uh you know this stuff has, has huge value that uh, we often get overlooked. I mean you can't send out, you know, Google uh Street View uh <laughs> to uh to, to figure this stuff out. Only people can do that.
0: Well not right? now, but um, I'm sure that I'm sure that Google's working on a time machine. Right? They yeah, got the DeLorean in yeah, the back, yeah, exactly. up, so, so they'll be able to do the Street View from the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. You know, you're right. And, and, uh, you know, a friend of mine uh, early on, a number of years ago, said that, um, you know, he was trying to document uh, culture is the other side of this thing, is that, uh, you know, you can document – you can document – topography and maps but you can't you add context to that by culture right so uh, it's very difficult to capture and especially with what's happening around the world which is this kind of americanization of of culture right so there's a homogeny homogenous layer that that is now atop of all culture because of the influence of the western world right so you you have to go to countries i mean i was in countries that there was no u.s or canadian infiltration at this point there's no mcdonald's right it's like cuba right now so you have this great sense of history there but 10 years from now that is not going to happen it was like i was in vietnam when it opened up like americans hadn't been in there canadians hadn't been in there since the vietnam war and the year that they opened it up i went to vietnam and it was like completely untouched and beautiful and then i went back again 10 years later and it was like completely run over by mcdonald's and 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 western civilization and that culture had been lost right and i think that when you add something like this crowdsource topography with history, and then you have to make sure that you capture that culture as well and put the two together. And I think that that's what they're trying to do here at this project. And, and if they can do it, I think it'll be a, a model or a template for other uh, cities that have a long history. Uh, so yeah, that's I like awesome. it. So it's cool. C-Y-M-R-U-1900-Wales- that's all one word, word, .org. Or, of course, you can come to thelvma.com or on tether.tv. This is episode number 165, and click on a link. It's usually easier. Just click on a link, and it'll take you he where is. you want to go. Absolutely. All right. So
1: our uh, our fifth story today is uh, is one I'm I'm really happy about as well, and that is the uh, the Juice Mobile, uh, local uh, Toronto company here, one of the the big uh, sort of mobile advertising um, companies, uh, went out and acquired Gauge Mobile, which is uh, also Canadian, Vancouver based uh, company that's been it's a big player in, in proximity based uh, and location based solutions. So, I like this uh, for a couple reasons. You know, one is is I think it's it's always great when you see you know, guys who are, are experts in mobile advertising come together with guys that understand proximity and location. So for that reason, I think this is great. But, you know, for me, the big thing here is that these are two Canadian companies coming together to get bigger, to compete, as opposed to, you know, being bought by some U.S. company or somebody else and, and no longer being part of no the Canadian No offense to the landscape. U.S. listeners. Yeah. No, no, no. I, you know, I'm just saying, you know, I, I think it's, it's important that, you know, we – you know we see some of this stuff stay here and we and we retain some of these expertise uh, you know uh, in in the country and we see great projects and great work you know come out of it in terms of br- the you know retailers and brands here having local resources they can go to uh, to engage with and I, I think it's awesome
0: this is a uh, I mean I wholeheartedly agree I'll wave the Canadian flag I love the fact that these two companies came together I think it sounds obviously that gauge is uh, it's a smaller company only four people from what I gather and and uh, yep. brought it brought into juice uh, the other piece of this that I love so much is that it's a service company that that specializes in, in mobile marketing, bringing in a technology platform that they can deploy, it, you know, deepens yeah. the relationship with their customers. So all around, great story, all around, happy that it stays in Canada. And uh, if you're looking for more information, just go to juicemobile.com. All right. Our, uh, our final
1: story, uh, our sixth story, is uh, one that we're both happy about, uh, and that is uh, Will Call, um, which is a music app that re- uh, kind of makes recommendations on concerts and allows you to buy the tickets uh, for those concerts directly from the app. They went out and uh, added a new feature called Bar Tab. And so the idea is, is that when you're at a bar now that's related to you know, uh, that's, you know, where these venues are and so on, you can actually, you know, order your drink through the app and pay for it all through the app, without actually, you know, having to go, uh, you know, to the actual bar and and exchange money or do any of that kind of stuff. And so what happens is is that you you sort of register, if you will, with the app. Um, and you, you kind of put your name in there. And then the bartender has a tablet sitting there with it with, you know, with everybody's names or the tabs that have been opened, if you will. And so you simply go to the bar, you say your name, and they just add the drinks to your tab. It shows up on, your, on, on the app on your phone. And you see that, and then you approve those, those those transactions, and so on. So you simply go to the bar and basically say your name, place your order, pick up your drinks, and it's about speeding the process up of ordering at a bar, right? Um, and kind of moving more people through through the line, through the queue. And and then I, so I think it's really cool.
0: I I one hundred with one hundred percent with you. We covered Will Call in um, on episode one forty two uh, last August, when they had raised a, a sizable, a small amount of money, but from f- some impactful angel investors. And you know um, the, the thing that I love so much about this is that at the end of the night, so you're at the event and you're at the venue, there's a whole bunch of things that I love about this, uh, that I love about Will Call. I've got to get these guys on to do a longer form interview with them because, first of all, the original pre- you know premise of the application is to help venues get discovered. And get people in the door so that helps the venues right it's about discovery so that's a simple thing but then it's also about i talked about this in that episode 142 that i love about it is that they help the bands sell merchandise right so they turn all yeah. the revenue through merchandise so they're helping the venue get people in the door ticket sales, then they're helping the the band sell merchandise, which is revenue from them. We know that that's where they make most of their revenue. And then so now they're adding this booze thing. So they're adding the bar tab to this to help the venue make money once people are in there, right? And you know that if you're running a tab, you're going to spend a little bit more money. You're going to buy some rounds. You're going to do a little bit more. So all of those things I love. And then the greatest feature at the end of the day is... So we classified this as kind of the uh, the square for tickets, and now it's a square for bar, right? Uh, but the, the greatest thing at the end of it is that, like 15 minutes before the show is over, bam! Your tab is settled to the credit card. You get a notification. You get a receipt. It's done, right? I, yeah I think that that is 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 beautiful. You just walk out, you don't have to pay the guy. It's all done. and uh, and you know there's confirmation process throughout the whole uh, thing about ordering the drinks. You, you have to you confirm and then you can add a tip. you could oh, I mean, so well done. but I, I just love the fact that at every step of the way they're adding value to the venue to the band and back into the venue to the bar, whatever it might be this is this is very cool. and I think that this will have an impact on their their basic business, their their base business, which is selling tickets and getting people in the venues so very 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 cool
1: totally very cool. smart uh, and, and very useful right I mean it makes it
0: makes sense well, you know, uh, and what I like about it is their philosophy on the revenue side here is that they don't want to, you know, they thought about taking a, a percentage of every transaction, but they don't want to penalize. So they're going to say, listen, we're going to do this. We'll experiment with the software as a service where you pay a certain amount of money, a fee, a flat fee uh, every month in order to be able to enable this. And, and uh, you know, I like that that they're, that they're not trying to, you know, gouge the, uh, the venue or the drinkers uh, by, you know, having them to, forcing them to increase prices to accommodate the cost. And, and we'll see what this. And then the idea that they're going to be able to create uh, this kind of uh, understanding like Vintank in San Francisco about wine. They're going to have an understanding of kind of consumption patterns and what they drink and, you know, what band that plays here, you know, what kind of beer or alcohol they have to stock for best consumption and highest return on investment. So, man, I, I freaking love it. And then you, st- you start to think about it a little bit further is that, you know, when NFC or low-energy Bluetooth powers your car and you've had one too many drinks right and uh, and it's now a record on your phone because there's a transaction that's happened it won't let you start your car as a result of having the fact that you've had so many drinks and, and so fascinating fascinating opening here and i think that will call is just onto something amazing cool 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 yeah we, we just need the uber plus will call down we're good boom no we need like the google car right the driverless car the google car there and, you go yeah and will call and then it's like yeah. debauchery total debauchery yeah all right. Willcall.com, right? Uh, yeah, Getwillcall.com. Getwillcall.com if you're interested in that. And if you've used it, I'd love to hear it, man. Like, And if you're Will Call, why haven't you been on the show? Boom. Six stories. That was a good one. That was one of there my favorites. Go. Good stories. Yeah, really good. We only got our resource left. What's this thing?
1: All right, so uh, you know, great resource this week uh, we've got here from uh, one of our LBMA members, M which is uh, you know one of the global leaders in in push notification technology. So it's called Mobile Engagement: What Consumers Really Think. And so they went out. They surveyed 1,500 people in across eight countries. Uh, Millward Brown uh, did the study, and there's some really great data in in here that uh, you know just kind of jumps right out. And uh, the first piece is it says, uh, on average, 73% of those surveyed said they had received a text or push notification from some company, and 68% of those said that they found that message valuable. So I think that you know that's pretty telling, um, you know. And then the other piece that 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 I found really interesting or relevant to me was um, when asked uh, what personal information they were willing to share with companies via mobile, the uh, the top two things. Number one was you know the obvious one. Fifty nine percent said demographic information, and you know we're we're happy to do that typically. But the second thing was location. Forty three percent of people said they would be willing to share their location. So I thought that was good and then the other piece that kind of ties right from that is you know when you when you see what are they why are they willing to share a location um you know the top two things there number 1 was 47% of people said to receive relevant offers uh, or discount coupons yes we we see that all the time followed closely number 45 percent you know to receive information or alerts for things that they have requested um so you know no rocket science here nothing that you know you, you know we we wouldn't have guessed but you know for me very interesting to see you know how high some of these numbers have gotten in terms of you know how positive the numbers are um, in terms of people's reaction to that and it just for me illustrates that you know the receptiveness the market the appeal of location is is growing all the time uh... consumers are getting more comfortable with it marketers are getting more comfortable with it and the data is here to back it up
0: you know uh... there are this is this is a fascinating look at this because uh, as a mobile guy what what I what I talk about uh, you know I just I did a presentation this week um, and and I talked about the fact that you you need you need to be looking at mobile and I still have these conversations I don't care what business you're in you need to be looking at mobile and 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 uh, you know I talk to a lot of brands and so do you and they say well listen we're just going to go mobile web mobile web mobile web and there's one statistic in here that says that makes me believe that. You know, if, if you're considering that, you gotta consider an alternative, like an app, because of yep. that one statistic where it said that eighty percent of respondents indicated that downloading a company's app to their mobile device also gave them permission to reach out with them with relevant offers and relevant communications. You don't get that in a mobile web environment. So if you are looking to engage deeper with your customers, there eighty percent of people who download app expect to hear from you through yes. that application. That's that. That to me is crazy. And then the other part of it was it was that relevant statistic that said, listen, 50 percent, 57 percent of um, uh, feel that SMS and the push notification are the most persuasive. And of that 57 percent, 53 percent say that it if it comes from a known brand or entity. So yep. you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the impact here, but you have to be an idiot. To ignore the impact of these numbers. Yeah.
1: And if you've been sitting on the sidelines trying to figure out what to do, I mean, the data is right here. I mean, come oh go God. check this thing out. It's it's on the LBMA site under research, LB, thelbma.com forward slash research. It's right there. Um, you know, just great data. So thanks, Tam Blocks, for, uh, for putting that together. We, you know, it's wicked. Robin,
0: I like it. Yeah, it is wicked. And if you need some help doing this, like you got two guys here can help you actually navigate this. But don't, don't. don't. And, and,
1: and this is global too, by the way. This yeah. is not just U.S. data. So this is eight countries, uh, U.S., U.K., Germany, France, Spain, Italy, Australia, New Zealand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So no Canada. Not, well, I think that we mimic these things. Yeah. Canada's. Great, great, great resource from Mblox. Thanks, Ossie, for, for pulling that out. And that ends That ends the show. Mobile Minute guest app. Holy cow. Great resource. Six amazing stories. And we'll be back. I mean, this is episode 165. We're cruising through here, 166. Remember to go to thelbma.com forward slash events to go and check out the events that are going on at the LBMA. If you're not a member, why the hell not? If you're in this business, why are you not a member? I always bump into people who are not a member and they're in this space, and I keep saying, you know what? Asif does this thing where he takes your business and then he thinks about it for a while, and then he comes up and he finds a different, uh, like three other businesses that are that that can help you, and you can help each other, and then he brings them all together in a room, and then magic happens, and then he steps out and he goes like, I just completed the complete and ultimate. Location-based marketing, Yeah, we don't that's even so- charge for that. I know it's crazy, so it's just part of
1: what, what we do for for our members. So um, do it, yeah. So so get on board. Be, do be part it. of it. I, I agree. Thanks, Rob. Well, Appreciate no
0: that. no problem at all. It's a, it's a like I called you the Lord of Location for a reason. It is the the importance of the stuff that you do. Those connections. It's one thing to know about this stuff. It's another thing to be able to connect businesses, and that's exactly what you do. So go go and join the dot Don't even sign up for the podcast. Don't give us a rating. Don't do anything that this week. Just go and. Go and investigate the LBMA, okay? LBMA.com. The LBMA.com. That's it, Asif. We'll be back next week. Absolutely. Episode 166. Have a safe week, and we'll see you next time.